Thank you very much. I have to share with you something that a great aunt of mine uh, used to say every morning when she would when she would get up in the morning. She said, "This is a day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it." So, good morning to each of you. Um, I brought my guidelines along. I've never spoken before uh, a large group of, of people like this. And it says, when you're asked to speak for the first time, you may experience a momentary sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. <laughs> Wobbly knees, clammy hands, and an overall sensation of tear. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> um, but then they give us hope. Um, the only ingredient needed is the willingness to try. Members report that speaking before a group adds another dimension of growth to their Al-Anon experience. And for that, I am very glad to be here today. Um, it, it does sound like a 12-step promise to me, and I'm, I'm ready to accept all of those that God has to give me. My name is Jackie, and I'm a very grateful member of Al-Anon. I thank the committee for asking me to come here today and to share my experience, my strength, and my hope. Um, I had a nice gift this morning. My father called me from Arkansas, and uh, that was that was my first, I guess that was my second nice gift of the day. I was able to wake up to this beautiful world, and that was my first gift. Um, I do thank the committee very much for allowing me to have another step in the growth of this program. Um, my higher power answered my prayers for a relief from life as I knew it when he introduced me to you, to each of you. I love you and I thank you for all of the wonderful gifts that you have given me. Um, you have become my teachers and I have the greatest respect in the world for teachers. Um, I look forward to life today. Ten years ago, I looked forward to death. And so the gift that you have given me, I will never be able to repay. Um, I do go by notes. My life has been one notebook after another. I walk with pen in hand or in my ear, so I will follow my notes. Um, I thank each of you for teaching me how to live in the comfortableness of myself today. Um, I am a result of your teachings and what you have taught, and I believe that you are the result of those who have taught you. And with that knowledge comes a great responsibility, and that responsibility is for each of us to pass on our heritage to others. And Linda mentioned that uh, I have been on a few of the committees that is one way I am able to say thank you to everyone because I know that this wonderful fellowship uh, works. It was necessary for me in this program to have to become humble, which was something that was very difficult for me because I always wore my pride very well. And there are times still today that I do that. Um, I had to learn to step back. I had to learn to put my pride and my ego aside. And I have had to learn to let God lead my way. 
and it's been a wonderful journey. I have not lived with a person who uh, who drank for a number of years, probably nine years. I have to say to you right now that he never did say that he was an alcoholic. And I hope that I won't have to make amends to him later today by calling him an alcoholic in front of you because he has never told me that he was. All I know is that his drinking affected my life in in a way that uh, I could not continue to live my life as I was living it. And um, I realized that the confusion that I lived for so many years was not caused by the person in my life who drank. It was caused from me. I know the only real opponent I've ever had in my life has been me. It was no one else. And I know today that other people do not make me suffer. I allow the suffering to happen in my life from my own actions. And I know that the answers to all the questions that I have are here in this program. If I continue to come back, and I do continue to come back, because this is where I learned a new way of life, and I live my life with hope each day from what you have taught me. I have written in the front of all of my books in hope of understanding. That's what I really hoped for when I came to the program. My understanding today is different than the understanding it was when I came, and I'm very grateful for that also. I still write in my books in hope of understanding so that I never forget the way it used to be. It's very important for me not to forget. As a child, I had wonderful parents. I've had a very, very good family, a very supportive family all of my life. Neither of my parents suffered from the disease of alcoholism. Alcohol was not a problem in my family when we grew up. Um, I have two negative memories in my childhood that included arguments that my parents had. My mother had decided that she would end her life because she could not live it the way that uh, she was living it, and she didn't know what to do. So her solution was to end her life. I was involved in both of those incidents, which uh, she didn't end her life, but I was a very small child, and uh, I thought that I was responsible for saving her. So at a very early age, I became a martyr and a controller. Um, I had great fears of abandonment at that time, and those feelings stayed with me for years. Um, when I was 11 years old, my parents decided that they should get a divorce, and that did not fit my plan in life, and I told them they couldn't, and they didn't listen to me, um, and they divorced. I always had been a very much a child of my father's. I was named after him. He spoiled me, and he also disciplined me. When we were visiting this morning on the phone, uh, I told him I remember the only time I had ever gotten a spanking from him, and it was because I hadn't eaten spinach. And he said, Jackie, it was because you wouldn't eat any of your dinner. <laughs> and my father very politely asked me to eat, and I told him I wouldn't do it. And so he very politely asked me to get up and go with him in the other room, and I did. And I received one spanking from my father in my life, and that's all it took. I wish I would have learned my other lessons as well in life as I learned that one, but I didn't. Um, but with that divorce, I again had those terrible feelings of fear and abandonment. And, uh, and I got real angry with my mom. 
I blamed my mother because my mother was in the home and my father was gone. And that's all I could relate to at that time. Um, I have a wonderful sister who is 11 months and one day older than I am. And my mother gets frustrated with us sometimes. We both live here in Casper. And she said, you two are just like twins. You know, you always have to be together. You agree on everything now. And for me, it's a blessing. My sister has been my best friend all of my life. She has never judged me. She has always accepted me for what I am. And when we were children, if my parents asked us to do something, my sister would say, that's fine, no problem. I would always be the one to want to know why. I had to know the whys of everything in life. When I was little, I wanted to be a scientist because I thought if I was a scientist, I could figure out why everything in this world was the way it was, and that was very important to me. And I know today that was one of my big problems. Um, When I was 15 years old, my mother decided to get married again, and I was very, very happy because I was going to be part of the family again. Um, She married a gentleman who... uh, was quite a fellow. He was a lot of fun to be with. Um, he laughed a lot. He drank a little bit, which wasn't a problem to me, but my mother seemed to to think it was a problem for her. Um, they were they were married for 18 months, and I was very happy during that time. I can't speak for my mother, but I was very happy. Um, At the end of 18 months, their marriage dissolved. And uh, I got really angry with my mother again because she had done that to me again. And I took everything in my life as a real personal thing. Um, I'm very happy to say that one of the greatest gifts in my life today is the gentleman that my mother was married to for 18 months. Um, He has remained a part of my life, and he's here today. And he has been a source of strength and understanding for me in this program. He helped me understand a lot of things that he's unaware of, and and for that I am very, very grateful. Um, I have to tell one little story. I don't know if it's funny to anybody else, but it was very funny to me. When, uh, When my mother announced to the family that she's going to get married, um, someone said, oh, it's Chauncey the Bull Rider. And I thought, wow, she's going to marry a cowboy. <laughs> and then somebody later on said, well, he's not famous for riding bulls. He's famous for riding bar stools. <laughs> I didn't care what he was famous for. I loved him. And I still love him today with all of my heart. And he truly is one of the most wonderful gifts that God has given me. Um, And so is his beautiful wife, Patricia. She's a wonderful lady as well. Well, when I got married the first time, I knew my marriage would last. It was not going to be a marriage like my mother had had during her life with her first husband or her second husband. Um... He drank a little bit, but that was okay because I drank a little bit, and I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, We had a lot of fun together. Um, He he was in several accidents um, during the time that we were married, and 
several of those accidents included alcohol. The last accident that he was in, he died in, and I never did ask if alcohol was involved or not. I still do not know today if he was drinking when he died. I know I loved him. And he was, in my eyes, just uh, a wonderful little fellow who wore funny hats, smoked cigars, drank Old Crow whiskey, and he stomped his feet when he laughed. And those were the things that attracted me to him when I first met him. And, uh, and I loved him very much. But when he was gone, I had great feelings of abandonment again, a deep loss. Um, there are still things today that uh, are very difficult for me to, to deal with some of the circumstances of that. But it's nice to know today that I don't have to do it all today, that I have the rest of my life to work on the issues that I need to work on and that God is with me, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I never did see alcohol as a problem during that time. I guess I, I just enjoyed it, and we had fun. During my second marriage... I felt the same way. He drank a little bit. I drank a little bit with him. We had a lot of fun. Again, this was going to be a marriage that was going to last for me. He was a, he was a wonderful person. Uh, we'd known each other for a couple of years before we got married. He was very kind to my daughter. And uh, that was very, very important to me. And for the first time in a number of years, I really felt like I was alive again. I had grieved deeply for the loss of my husband, and uh, and people grieve in different ways. Um, I guess maybe I back up here just to say that I know that when my when my first husband was uh, was in his coffin, the um, the lid was closed on it when I went in, and, and I told Tom that I didn't think I could bear to see him. And uh, I went in, and I sat before an empty box. And uh, eventually I had to go back in and, and ask Tom to open open mm-hmm. the lid. And when I did, I know that a part of me very quietly got up and very gently laid down next to my husband and very quietly died with him. And that was how part of my grieving was. But that's okay. At any rate, um, I was married again for the second time. I was very, very happy. His drinking progressed, and I had never really, I guess maybe it's not that I hadn't ever really seen um, alcohol do some of its Uh, lesser things in life but I thought I could control it and over the years the drinking got really really bad we moved several times and I found out that every time we moved the only thing that changed was the location our problems still went with us neither one of my husbands ever missed a day's work from drinking They were very hard workers. They were very hard drinkers. It's how they lived their lives. 
My children and I were always very well provided for, no matter how much my husband drank. But by the time we got to Casper, I saw life as one crisis after another. He was drinking every day, after work, and on the weekends. I never did look for him in a bar because my pride would not allow me to do that. I had done that with my first husband. I knew the results of that, and the results for me were not good. So I never did go into a bar after him. I never looked for him when he was not home. He was not home. It was just that simple. I wondered where he was, and my mind would just do all sorts of things as to where he was and what he was doing, but I never did go after him. I didn't hide his alcohol because I knew it wouldn't do any good. He was an intelligent person. He knew where the stores were, and he would just go buy more. (laughs) I did try to measure it, however, and when we got to Casper, we moved into a home that had a little cupboard That was the alcohol cupboard. He used to drink bourbon and schnapps. I drank scotch. So it wasn't that difficult. I could just make a mark on his bourbon. I could never keep up with his schnapps. I didn't even try. But one day he had this overwhelming desire to start drinking scotch. And from then on, I got real confused because if I had a drink and he had a drink, I could do it maybe the first or the second time. But after that, I couldn't do it. But that's how I tried to control his alcohol. Um, And I found out that that, as well as many other things that I tried to do, did not work. I did become very obsessed with his behavior, where he was at, what he was doing, but I didn't chase him. I did neglect my family in some very important ways, my children, uh, because I was too busy thinking about the person in my life who drank so much. One of the things that really bothered me, and I tried to visit with him a lot about it, and he just didn't seem to hear it, was I always said, why can't you see what you're doing to yourself? And he just looked at me. And I said, you know, I don't understand why you can't just not drink. I said, just put it down. To me, it was like an elbow problem, and that's what I used to call it. <laughs> but it was, it was real hard for me not to understand why he just simply couldn't drink like other people drank. I made excuses for him and the family when things didn't go right. Um, unfortunately, my armor was not strong enough. I found out later in the program what a relief it was for me and a relief not to have to carry the burden of one person on one shoulder and one person on the other shoulder. And that was a real growing point for me because if I didn't get involved in his situation, then I didn't have to take responsibility for it. And that was really nice to know. Um, I guess somewhere in all of this, I still thought that I could... uh, I could control it, and I tried for many years. My pride would not allow me to think of divorce. It was something that was not in my vocabulary. 
And I know they say that many times a person who, who drinks too much has to get at their bottom. And I, too, had to get at mine. And when mine came, I prayed for a release from life as I knew it. I knew the reality of death from losing my first husband, so I could not pray to be able to kill this person. I could not bring myself to do that. So the next best thing I could do was pray for my release from life and for my death. I wanted out. I was ready. I could not accept divorce. He would not quit drinking. I had tried everything in my power that I knew how to do, and it didn't work. And in my arrogance, I knew there was nothing else that could be done. And so the only thing I could do was leave the earth. Well, God answered my prayer. He answered it in a prayer that was very unexpected. And I have to share with you, I'm really glad that he didn't answer my prayer for what I prayed. Uh, I would have missed all of you. He, he answered my prayer through my child. I think this is one reason public information is so important to me. I know the power of a child. I know now the power of information that goes through the schools. I know what can be done because I was a part of it. I feel it is our responsibility to help these children when they are in need. We are all children, even those of us who stand over five foot. My daughter came home from school when she was in junior high and said she had visited with the school counselor. I became very, very concerned about that because mine was one of those best-kept secrets. Nobody in the neighborhood knew what was going on that I was aware of. I'm sure they did. But they were kind enough not to say anything. Um, But it was something that we didn't talk about. The family I was brought up in as a child um, was instructed to handle problems within the family. I was taught to be seen and not heard. I was taught if there is a problem, you will take care of it within the family. You will not go outside of the family. Nikki had gone outside of the family. I was very angry with her that day because I was afraid that they might come and take her away. And that's what I had built up in my mind, um, that if anybody knew, I might... I might be abandoned again by the loss of my children and the loss of my husband. But my courage, my daughter's courage in what she had done far outweighed any of the other feelings that I had that day. She had such courage and she was so young to care for her family in such a way. To be very honest, I was more afraid not to call the school than to call it. And so I called. And I went in, and there was a wonderful lady in the counselor's office. She shared with me that her husband had had a drinking problem. And right away I thought, well, people don't share that with people they don't know. But she shared with me. And she gave me a book. And the name of the book was The Dilemma of the Alcoholic Marriage. 
and she asked me to take it home to read it and to come back in a week. And I told her I would. And before I left, she touched me. And at that point in my life, no one touched me. No one had touched me for years. I did not allow it. She gave me also a meeting card. And she asked me to look it over and see if when I came back the following week, I thought I might be able to go to a meeting. Well, I went back a week later and she touched my shoulder again and this time it didn't hurt quite so bad. And I told her the reason it didn't hurt quite so bad was because after reading the book, I realized there were people in this world just like me. My secret was out. It felt so good for me to know I was not alone. I had been alone for so many years. And there were other people who lived their lives like I did. And this lady was a great inspiration to me because the first time I went in, she shared with me that there had been a problem in her home. And I went to my first meeting, which was a Monday noon meeting. I could not go in the evening because I was not able to tell my husband where I was going for some very obvious reasons. He did not know that I joined Al-Anon or became a member of Al-Anon or went to any Al-Anon meetings for at least six months. So I went to a Monday noon meeting and I heard some wonderful things. I heard that I did not cause my husband's alcoholism. I just took his inventory. (laughs) Sorry. I was told that I could not control his drinking. And I was told I couldn't cure it. Well, I knew I didn't cause it because my pride told me that. But there was something else that said, well, he drank before I got married, so it was, it was impossible for me to cause it because he already did it before we met. So I could deal with that. They said I couldn't control it. I wasn't really sure of that one yet, but I heard it. They said I couldn't cure it, and that I was not really sure about. And I think one reason I wasn't really sure about curing it was because I wasn't really sure it was a disease yet. But they talked about a higher power being in charge. I'd grown up going to church. I had a very, very good background in that. And they spoke of a person as being a higher power, and and I couldn't relate to a higher power. I knew God. Today I'm very grateful for my higher power. They spoke of serenity. That was something that had not been in my life for many years. But they smiled and they laughed and they told me that everything would be okay and they were kind. And I saw in them what I see before me today in the eyes of each of you. I saw love. And that was something that had not been in my life for many years. And I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I know for months these people did not know if I could speak. When it came out, it came out like this. 
But that was the best I could do at the time. And they accepted that in me. And that was one of the wonderful things. They accepted me for what I was. And in my life at that time, I really needed it. Uh, one of the other meetings I went to, I have to share with you very quickly on, because it, it helped me as a wonderful and prime example of service work. Um, I went to, to a meeting at a little church up by the mountain, and I cried, as I usually did in my first meetings. And as I left, there was a gentleman that walked out beside me, and his name was Paul. He's about this tall, and he's beautiful. And he said, may I take your hand? And I was getting really good at doing what I was told. But I looked at him, and I couldn't understand why he, this gentleman would want to take my hand. But he took my hand, and he said that he wanted to say a prayer with me. And he said a prayer for my family. He said a prayer for my husband who was drinking. He said a prayer for my children who were suffering. And he said a prayer for me. And that was my introduction into service work in this program. This wonderful gentleman who I call a good Samaritan has no idea the effect that he had on my life. But he cared. A total stranger cared for me and for my family. And that's one of the other wonderful gifts I've been given in this program. I do not have to know your name, but I know you care about me as I care for you. Through the meetings, I was able to start to understand a little bit about alcoholism. I was given literature. I was told there were no dues that had to be paid. And those were things I needed to know. And you invited me to come back. And I've been coming back to the meetings for nine years. And I hope when I'm a little old woman who can't hardly walk or talk, I'm still able to come into these meetings with each of you. I also entered counseling through the school. My children and I went, and it was a wonderful experience. We learned the best there was to learn about the disease of alcoholism, not only through Al-Anon, but through counseling, therapy, and doctors. When I started counseling, my doctor said, one of two things is going to happen to you, and you have to be ready to accept it. He said, the person you're married to, hopefully, will go to AA and quit drinking, or he may very well go out and find someone else to replace you. He said, you must have been a wonderful enabler, and I told him I was. <laughs> and that's what he did. He chose to go out and to find someone else to replace me while we were still married. That, again, was something that was not in my vocabulary. I do not believe in infidelity under any circumstances within a marriage. I just simply don't. That's a part of me. 
I was greatly hurt when I found out about this. You know how those best friends give you these little phone calls? I had a few of those best friends. (laughs) But I know today that I did not drive him out of my home to seek someone else. I know that he did that of his own free choice. And that was very difficult for me. It was a very difficult time in my life, but I got through it. And one reason I got through it was because you told me I could. And I found that every time I ran into really terrible problems in my life, you would tell me what I could do. And it worked. And it still works today. I continue to go to meetings. It became a very, very important part of my life. God let me hear those things that I needed to hear. He let me repeat the experiences that I needed to repeat. I know that not only a person who drinks suffers from his own insanity, I believe that I suffered from my own insanity too because for 10 years I repeated the same things over and over and over again and they just didn't work. But I had to get to the point of realizing that it just didn't work anymore. Well, in Al-Anon one day, somebody looked at me and they said, you know, you might have some responsibility in this. And I said, I don't think so. (laughs) I proceeded to tell them what a martyr I was. I told them how I had suffered. The things that I had done to make sure that my marriage continued. And they said, well, you might have some responsibility in that. And I said, no, I don't think I do. And for a long time, I didn't think I did. But through your kindness and your love, you kept inviting me back. And little by little, I heard what you were saying. And I'm very glad that I did go back. My higher power let me begin to learn to take charge of my life by working the steps. I have a wonderful sponsor today. The sponsor I have today is the sponsor who at the first meeting said something about the three C's. And she still talks of those today. I'm a little more receptive of the three C's today because I understand them. I'm a little more uh, accepting of myself today. There were three things I had to change in my life that were very difficult for me, and there's things I have to work on today, and I know I will forever, and that is my attitude, my awareness, and my acceptance. I still feel like a newcomer every time I enter the, ste- enter the doors of a meeting, and I'm glad I feel like a newcomer. And God doesn't allow me to memorize the steps, and I think there's a reason for that. It's because I have to read them every day. And I have to go over them every day. And I know I'm just smug enough that if I had them memorized, I might think I know everything about them. So I have to go to my books. I realized I could not stop the drinking that was going on in my home. I realized that I had to try to quit playing God. I realized that I had to... Quit treating this person with disrespect. I had a tongue 
that should have been put in prison. And I used it well. Today, I'm sometimes surprised that he did come home and stay home. Because after I was through talking to him, I was, I, was, I was very ashamed of myself. I've made those amends to him for that. That was something I had to do and part of my growth, to apologize for the way I spoke to him and to apologize for the way I treated him because my nose would go in the air and I was really good at doing this. And, I, and that was very, very wrong. He was a child of God just as I am a child of God. My sponsor looked at me one day, and she said, just who do you think you are? And I remember that. And that was a real beginning step for me. I had to look at myself, and I had to think about it. I had to become willing to give up the marriage, and that was hard for me. But through this program, I was able to do it. I had to be willing to swallow my pride, and that was hard for me to do. I almost had to physically die before I was able to accept life as the reality in which it is. But that was okay. God didn't let me die. He kept me alive. And I'm very glad that God did that for me today. As I entered the path of the fourth step, my sponsor said some things to me that I would like to share with you that were very important to me. My sponsor said that I need not be fearful that God was with me. My sponsor said when I was able to release my pride that God would replace it with gifts far greater than I could ever imagine. And that has happened. I was rebuilt on the foundation that God had originally given me. And God did that for me because he loved me. I have had the privilege of having the same sponsor for many years. In the pamphlet on sponsorship, it states that it isn't important that I meet with my sponsor every day, that I talk with her on the telephone every day, that what is as important is the quality of the time that we spend together and what is done during that time. I have a very busy schedule in my life, as my sponsor does. The time that we spend together is good. I think one of the wonderful gifts God gives me in that is that when I am not able to reach my sponsor, I have to look for the answers myself. Pick up a book, read literature, call a friend, or sit in the silence of myself and listen to the footprints of God. If I am able to follow his footprints, and if I am able to listen, then I am able to learn. And that's one of the nice gifts of not being able to reach her all of the time. My sponsor guided me through the steps with 
love with kindness. My sponsors assured me that there would be nothing to fear. And when I went into the fourth step, I needed to hear that. I had had heard so many people talk about the fourth step. Oh, they just didn't know if they could get through it. They didn't know if they could even begin it. And I thought, what is this that will be put before me that is so difficult? If it's that difficult, why is it there? (laughs) My sponsor assured me there was nothing to fear. That only good would come from my walk in faith. And she was correct. In the Bible, there's a gentleman spoken of named Abraham who had to be willing to give up his son. My sponsor said to me that I too would be willing to give up what I needed to give up in order to accept the fact that I was powerless. And she was correct. The relationship I have with my sponsor today is one of the utmost respect. I respect her anonymity as she respects my anonymity. And that was one of my concerns when I came into this program was my anonymity. And it's still a concern today. And I know that anonymity is a spiritual foundation of this program. And that is very important to me today to know. Today it's not necessary for me to think that you have to need me or I have to be in your life to do something for you so that you will accept me. I know that my intentions today are good. And if I make a mistake today, it's okay. I haven't done it with the intent of making a mistake. I have done it with my best intentions and my best foot put forward. With working the steps and with the courage and the knowledge and the love that you gave me, I was able to let go of my second marriage. It was easier for me to accept the death of my first husband than it was for me to accept the divorce from my second husband. I don't share that with a lot of people because they don't understand. There are some people who do not know the sting of death. I know it. But I was still... I was still able to find it easier to accept his death than to accept divorce. But I was able to do it. I was able to start to rebuild my life. And one of the wonderful gifts God gave me was allowing me to have the time to be by myself without a companion 
in order to allow me to get to know who I am. I used to not like myself at all. Today I am beginning to like Jackie, and that feels good. It's nice to walk with a friend instead of an enemy. It feels good. My children have been introduced to the program of Alateen. If in the future there are problems in their lives that require that kind of knowledge, they know where to go. And for that, I also thank you for caring for my children enough that you would give them a place to go in their time of need. My, my Mother's Day card this year from my daughter was a wonderful card, and I kept it on my piano for, for a long time. In fact, it's still there. And she said, Mother, thank you for being my mother. And she said, not only thank you for being my mother, thank you for being my friend. And that meant more to me than I can put into words. Because there was a time that my daughter detested me because of the way I behaved. Not the way the person in our home behaved who drank, but the way I behaved. That guilt almost killed me. I suffer from great guilt and I suffer from great pride. But you told me that I did the best I could at the time when I was going through a situation that was not good and that carried me through. I needed to hear it. I needed to know it and I needed to believe it. And today I believe it and I'm very thankful for that. And something else incredible that has occurred in my life is that all those people that I thought I had to change haven't changed at all. I'm the one that has changed. And that's nice. I believe anyone who walks through the doors of an Al-Anon meeting is a success story. And the reason I believe that is because the seed has been planted. They might not come back tomorrow. They might not come back next month. But the seed has been planted. That awareness is there. When I went to the doctor several years ago with some uh, physical problems, (coughs) he said, I can give you all the medicine in the world to take care of what's ailing you. But he said, I cannot take care of your problem. He said, you need to go to Al-Anon. I didn't listen to him then, but he was correct. Before the program, I didn't think I could support myself without a husband to help take care of me and to help support me. Today, I am very self-supporting. I have two wonderful jobs. I received my first job through someone who knew someone in Alcoholics Anonymous. God has always worked in my life. I have had that job, excuse me, for eight years. The other one I have 
is a gift that God gave me when I was a child and is a gift of music. And he allowed me this wonderful gift to be able to use it to earn a living with. I know that when something is taken out of our lives, that God will replace it with something better. I lost four very important people in my life years ago. I now have 40 people walk through the doors of my home each week. I don't have time to get lonesome. That's the wonderful things that God does through this program. One of the wonderful gifts that he has given. I know that today, when I wake up, I bring with me to this day the knowledge of my past, all the working tools that I have been given. I know that I will experience something today that I have never before experienced in my life. And I know that I will experience something today that I will never again experience as long as I live. And that makes this a pretty important day for me. And I know that tomorrow will be the same. And I live with those kind of wonderful expectations in my life. It has been a long journey. It has been a journey well worthwhile. And the promise this, this program has made has become a reality for me. And that is the result of the steps. And I have had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And I carry that with me every day. I have an enthusiasm in me today that I hope I will carry with me forever. And it is an enthusiasm of this program and a thankfulness for what you have done for me. And I know that it is my responsibility to carry that message to others because you carried it to me. And there are many things that we can do in this program. There are many committees, many, many things that we can do. And if we're not on a committee, if we even walk in a meeting, we're there sharing and bringing about the awareness. There are two things I'd like to read to you that I've written in my ODAT, and then I'll be done. I have to speak of my amends first. Um, I found out in working the steps that the greatest amend I had to make was my amend to God. Because through my life, I made people my higher power. When that didn't work, I made Jackie my higher power. And so I had to make amends to God for that. I changed my behavior and I changed myself through the help of this program. These are two readings that are in the ODAT that mean a lot to me when I think of service work. The giver is only a channel for the gifts he has received from God. We are vessels. Thou, therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. I love you and I thank you very much for allowing me to be a part of your lives.